Hello, and welcome again to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hey, everybody, how are we doing tonight? And U Street, who is in some form of a yoga facility, I believe. Hey, y'all, yeah, in an airport April yoga facility, Dickerson. as April you can tell. April something or other, go get your tickets or pick up a bag. April Dickerson has not gotten her tickets now for like a good solid 45 minutes. I think she might just not be here. Uh, I, I, I'm also led to believe that we may get to learn about the USO and the fine USO facilities at uh, San Francisco's airport. Yeah, I imagine we'll learn a variety of things about San Francisco Airport during this podcast, though hopefully for our listeners, I will be the only one who will be learning. All right, we're going to kick it off by getting back to what should we be drinking, and since I'm apparently some form of water demon, what should you be drinking to avoid the negative effects of my magical powers. Andy? Well, I'm going to go with a tried and true tradition. You know, since cold and wet seems to be, although you've got more of the thunderstorm issue than the cold, but uh, the, the cold and wet seems to be coming in here in the Twin Cities, and it looks like Saturday could be cold and wet and all sorts of nastiness. So uh, I, I'm bringing back a classic to the tailgate lot Saturday morning, uh, the hot toddy. Pour yourself a nice steeping hot mug of black tea toss in some uh sweetener of some form or another i use uh usually a little honey or some ginger syrup uh nice good squeeze of lemon and as much bourbon as you'd like depending upon how cold you are that's everywhere from a shot or two to half the bottle uh but it goes down warm sweet in the back of your throat and uh, just makes you feel warmer and, and you can ignore that it's pouring on you for the fifth game in a row so you're saying that the uh nebraska game in 2013 when we went straight beam and diet we should have thought ahead and maybe upped our game to the to the hot toddy well you know i mean there's there's ways to look at that um we stayed warm that game uh i don't think you knew what was five feet in front of your face till about the third quarter but uh, we weren't cold that's for sure fourth quarter probably to be honest with you it, it was bad. But good, all at the same time. What a wonderful day that was. Okay. Street, what should you be drinking to avoid my mystical powers? Well, along the same lines as Andy, I would suggest a Kentucky coffee. You may not be familiar with a Kentucky coffee. That's a regular cup of coffee and then separately a large glass of whiskey, and it's up to you whether or not you want to drink the coffee. I love how I lived in Kentucky for like, almost three years and excuse me uh somehow i'm not familiar with a kentucky coffee it's unclear to me if a kentucky coffee is something that motherfucking april dickerson (laughs) pick up your goddamn tickets seriously (laughs) we're just like stop paging her she's clearly not here anyway we're I'm not necessarily sure if a Kentucky coffee is a general statewide thing, but several of my friends who have lived in Kentucky have claimed that that is what constitutes a Kentucky coffee. I like it. It's simple. It's clean. Sounds like it's a pretty much a, a good uh, a little drink all around. So, all right, Michigan. We talked about Michigan. Alex and I did, of course, during the Great Takes Less Filling podcast. 
we are going to keep it simple today because really there's no reason to talk about Michigan for more than like two seconds. So we are each going to recap the Michigan game in a single word. I'm not talking about a phrase. I'm not talking about two words that are, you know, very small. One single word. That's all you get to, to recap the Michigan game from your perspective. Andy? Well, I'm hoping that the uh, Still Got Hope guys don't uh, file some copyright infringement on me, but uh, taking sort of a little bit off of what they wrote earlier this week, I'm going to go with Shart. Shart. I like it. I will like to clarify here, that was about 35 or 40 words at least in front of the one word. So, Street, when we try this, can can we get one word? So, what is your one word for the Michigan game. Queef. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a South Park sound effect related to that I can now insert. Oh, no. No, 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 no. For my one word, I wanted it a synonym for wet because wet seemed wrong, and then all of a sudden, a little offline, y'all are sitting here telling me to use moist, which, no, I shouldn't. But then Queef got tossed out, and so did Shart. So, hey, let's just do a trifecta of creepiness, and we're going to go with moist. Oh, and I failed my one word. I failed my own thing. That's... Okay, we're never bringing that bit back. (laughs) That bit is impossible for Andy and I to execute properly, so that bit's not coming back. We talk too much. All right, forget that. Chair. Chair, chair, chair. The glorious broken chair trophy. The glorious broken chair trophy shall be played for again this year although in an unofficial fashion since there doesn't appear to be any uh, intent by either university to bring it onto the field which is totally cool we've talked about that before what I thought was interesting today was having coach Fleck coach Fleck was asked about it I believe in both the his k-fan kind of uh, podcast thing that he does um, and the press conference I believe he was asked about the chair in both contexts and if you listen to what he has to say, and, and we'll get uh, get some more uh, about that hopefully up tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Um, if you listen to what he had to say, it's it sounds like he's interested. It doesn't sound like he's pushing it. It doesn't sound like he's fighting with the university on it or, or intending to or, or making it a big thing. Like it's not clearly it's not the priority for him. But when you listen to him talk about the chair, you begin to see how, you know, from his perspective, how this could start to become a thing if they continue to, the folks kind of behind the new chair continue to do such a great job with raising money for charity and all those pieces. Because, you know, Fleck talks pretty consistently about a serving and giving culture. And, I mean, really, you're talking about a trophy that at this point, reconstituted, is about serving and giving. So I, I certainly find that exciting. Um, do you guys think it's more likely to see the chair get officially recognized when you've got somebody like Fleck on one side of it? You know, what I'll say is I think definitely PJ seems like the guy who will use this and, and is more than willing to to pick it up and bring it towards the team, uh, especially, you know, in talking to both Mike Grimm on the radio show and in his press conference, he definitely was stressing the serving and the giving and the charitable aspect of it, which I think is number one priority for him. Um but I think, you know, we've, we've seen him get up and get the team excited about everything else. I have no reason to think that another trophy game wouldn't be the same. 
Um, I think the biggest question about the long-term sustainability about this is going to be what happens in Nebraska's athletic program over the next year or so. Um, you know, Mike Riley, a couple of years ago when he first got the job, sort of gave this warm, you know, oh, da, 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 and then all of a sudden Nebraska basically threw the thing away uh, a year ago. So what happens with their new athletic director, uh, who came in from Washington State, and not that the Pac-12 is known for their trophy games except for the Apple Cup. Um, and, you know, who knows, I don't think Washington State won that more than once in the last 15 years or something like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what their opinion is on trophy games and whether they actually want to try and make this a thing or whether it's just going to be fans passing it back and forth in the parking lot after the game. Um, but I think, you know, there's definitely a higher chance that it'll become something with P.J. Fleck in charge of the Gophers than uh, several of the previous coaches who have been around. You know, I'd actually almost, <laughs> since I do think it's going to take a couple years probably, if the, if the universities are ever going to get into, you know, authorizing it, um, embracing it, whatever terminology you want to use, I do think that'll take a little bit of time. I have this vision in my head of it getting big enough where you know, ESPN is covering the game. Um, not, I'm not talking like game day covering the game, but like, you know, it's on an ESPN property. And, you know, one of the announcers just gets enough hyped about it to do, you know, kind of what Beth Mounds did with the Golden Eye or any of those pieces. They get some good B-roll of it in the parking lot, you know, with the, the tailgate from the, the $5 charity, uh, Brooklyn Charity people. And... They have enough interest into it where they get good B-roll of it getting exchanged after the game at whatever you know location, Lincoln or Minneapolis, and suddenly that just gets you could just totally see that getting hyped up um, and and getting a lot of play on ESPN kind of is one of those Scott Van Pelt like best moment of the day kind of deals. I I would actually find that to be pretty cool and exciting to watch something like that happen and and get some publicity. Because you know what? Ultimately, at the at the end of the day, I mean, the thing still exists because fans got excited about it and, and made it happen. And in a way, it exists because the folks behind Goldie the Gopher got excited in the way a fan would and made it happen. So, if there were some opportunities for it to be a, a the fan element of it to continue to get attention in a public way um, in in fun fashion. You know what? I'd be totally cool with that. I, I, I obviously I'd still love it to get recognized, but if that's if that's something that we got to have in the meantime, I think that'd be pretty cool given the history of the trophy. Street, what are you th- thinking as the the chair 2.0 moves forward? To me, the chair will be a thing if Minnesota wins on Saturday because if Fleck is really all about the trophy, it also means that it's going to be in the locker room. It will be in official video he will discuss it they will be excited it'll come from the podium that's how the trophy happens if nebraska wins i am more skeptical that you'll see it integrated so in your mind if we want things to move along more quickly minnesota winning would be a big part of it because it gives flack who loves you know the promotional aspect of what he does the opportunity to do what he does best Whereas Mike Riley is Mike Riley and will nice guy his way out the door without ever mentioning it. Yeah, I don't think Mike Riley cares about the trophy. I'm not going to go so far to say that Fleck cares about the trophy, but I believe that Fleck understands the marketing value of that particular 
trophy. So if Minnesota wins, you'll see it continued. If Nebraska wins, you'll get something equivalent to what you got last year, which is nothing at all. Well, the interesting thing we'll see is, you know, I think we all want Fleck to be ahead of it. The question will be is what type of pushback does he get from the higher-ups at the U? Because that was one interesting thing Fleck did say at the radio show when when Grimm was sort of pushing on it. And and Grimm was like, well, is it going to be on the field? Is it going to be? And Fleck's like, I haven't been told yet what's happening. So he sort of made it sound like it wasn't his call, which we know from previous conversations with the people that the U does not plan on having the trophy anywhere near or inside TCF Bank Stadium on Saturday. So the question will be, is it probably if Minnesota does win, you're not going to see the trophy on the field? But if it's in Minneapolis and can be easily attainable, that's when I think you're going to... Somebody with their connections will have to get it to where the team can get a hold of the trophy and, and, and use it for that marketing thing. And to go to what Chris was saying about the TV, um, you know, it's interesting thing looking at TV's Fox Sports 1 is doing the game on Saturday. Uh, Brian Custer is doing the play-by-play. So if you know who the hell Brian Custer is, yeah, no, I don't either. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to explain to those of us who have no idea. But so here, here's the interesting fact: your uh, your analyst for the game on Saturday, former Viking linebacker Ben Lieber. Now Lieber's all over K fan on several of the uh, shows, both the morning show and Paul Allen show and things like that, and is reasonably accessible on Twitter. So uh, if the chair people haven't yet. Uh, they should probably get on their game here in the next couple of days and just start peppering Lieber with as much information as possible about the chair to try and see if he can take it back to their production meeting and actually do something about covering it on Saturday. That's a good call. Everyone, to the Twitters, unlike recruits who you should never tweet at, Ben Lieber is an adult who is not a recruit. Feel free to let him know about the chair. All right, this is normally the part where Iowa Gopher, Blake, would uh, run us through his Nebraska preview. He is, I don't know, doing something else that is apparently more important than the podcast. Um, we're going to dock his intern pay. D- don't you worry. Um, but Nebraska, not so great. Um, much like Minnesota, they've been struggling. Um, unlike Minnesota, they're going to fire their coach probably at the end of this year. And their fans are, from what I can tell, uh, kind of alternating between some form of deep despair, uh, bleach drinking, and anger. Although anger seems to have moved on towards acceptance and bleach drinking. Andy, what are you looking forward to or looking towards with Nebraska as far as opportunities for Minnesota to have some success? You know, I think the main thing successfully... um Defensive-wise, Minnesota's got to do. Nebraska can run the ball a decent bit, but they're not amazing. So as long as we can fix whatever our problem was against Michigan and get that back to where we're playing against Iowa, I think um, things are looking up. The biggest thing is going to be Tanner Lee makes horrible decisions. Um, Everybody thought he was going to be this great quarterback this year and looking amazing and, quote, Todd McShay, first-round NFL draft pick, yada, yada, yada. Tanner Lee, while shows flashing of decentness, makes just horrible decisions. So if you can get any kind of a pass rush on him and then actually let your secondary do a little bit of ball hawking, um, I think there's definitely the potential to intercept him two, three times. So taking advantage of the turnover game, stopping 
stopping that would be huge. Um, offensively, you know, Nebraska doesn't give up a ton of points. Um, so I think the Gophers just have to try and do what they do best, get into a into a running offense, you know, pound the ball as much as they can, try and look a lot more like they did in the second drive against Michigan than they did in the second half against Michigan. Um, you know, just try and, and make progress. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game at all or anything like that. You know, I thought I saw the over-under was 48.5, which I think is insane. But, you know, I think you just need Minnesota to take advantage of turnovers and try and grind it out and see if they can pull out a, you know, a four or seven point win. Street, what I know that you feel fairly optimistic about this game. We'll, we'll get to predictions at the end. What are you looking to see from Minnesota? What are you hoping that Minnesota will do against Nebraska? A coherent offensive strategy that doesn't involve the use of the Wildcat. And on defense, to be incredibly opportunistic for all of the reasons that Andy said, it's entirely plausible to me that Minnesota will be able to get pressure on Tanner Lee. He will very much make mistakes as a result of that. If the defense capitalizes, I think Minnesota has a good day on Saturday. I just want to point out, Angie Dickinson has been called to the courtesy telephone phone now six times in our conversation. Carry on. Angie Dickinson, if you're listening to this podcast, you really need to pick up your plane tickets. It's now 24 hours after the recording, probably. Pretty close. Who knows? Certainly at least 12. Go get your damn tickets, Angie. Um, yeah, I guess from my perspective, I just really would like to see a win in any form, as, as I know we all would. Uh, I'm looking forward to a game where I'm not having to travel and do all the things that come with being there live. I do love watching sports live, but... It's going to be nice to just watch a good football game from, from um, my chair in my living room. And uh, I look forward to not being blamed for any weather mishaps because I am not a water demon and I have no mystical powers. So if I can get through without getting blamed for whatever funky weather shows up and you know get comfy in my chair and get a win, that'd be a great Saturday right there. All right, transitioning to basketball, um, getting away from football. The basketball team went out and dropped uh, a hundo and then three nickels all over Green Bay. 115 points. I say again, 115 points by the University of Minnesota men's basketball team in a game, a real game, an exhibition game to be sure, but against a legitimate Division One opponent. That is not the worst I mean, in all honesty, Alex, am I correct in understanding they will be better, Green Bay will be better than several of the opponents will likely face in the non-conference season? Yeah, though admittedly several of the opponents we're facing in the non-conference season probably could be beat by the pickup basketball team at your local Y. So yeah, so while this game counted for nothing, um, we actually should probably wish we could take it and trade it out for one, at least one of our other non-conference games. Regardless, Green Bay, while not world beaters, while not likely to be, you know, anyone that we're talking about come March, is a legitimate Division One basketball team. Not a Division Two team, not a Division Three team, not an NAIA team. A real Division One team. And Minnesota went for one fifteen against them. I, for one, am just super excited that we apparently have an offense that's capable of getting out of the sixties. I remember not the long distant past here when we would slog it out and it would be terrible and we'd all wonder what the heck was going on. And now we have the ability, apparently, to be exciting. 
Um, I certainly don't expect 115 points every week. I'm sure there will be some very unexciting, uninspiring Big Ten slugfests in our future. But the fact that we have the capability of pulling this out uh, anywhere in our bag, to me, is just a ray of sunshine in an otherwise cloudy Minnesota sports week. Street, what were your thoughts coming out of uh, the exhibition against Green Bay? Well, I believe the technical term for that exhibition is Minnesota beat the living tar out of University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, which is glorious. I take three things away from it. First, Minnesota should beat the tar out of Wisconsin-Green Bay, so the fact that they did was pleasing. Secondly, Amir Coffey had 26 points on 10 of 15 shooting with five assists, and if that is a regular performance from Amir Coffey, Minnesota's going to be real good. Really, really good. Third, the two recruits on the team, Isaiah Washington and Jameer Harris, also had fantastic games. And I want to particularly highlight Jameer Harris's 15, 13 points with three threes in 15 minutes. Jameer Harris came into this class as to be your shooter. If he can successfully replicate that kind of performance throughout the season, I'm going to feel dramatically better about our bench going forward. And as I mentioned the last time we talked to the basketball team, I think the starting five of the Gophers can play with April any team in the country. Dickerson. April Dickerson, on a courtesy telephone, dial 62424 for an urgent message. Wait, she's been, they've, been, they've been trying to get a message to her for, for so long that her name changed? Yeah, her name might be April. It's unclear. Not Angie? So have I been getting your name wrong this whole time? Yeah. April Dick- Dickerson, I apologize if you're listening. I don't apologize. You should have picked up the phone a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Transitioning back to Jameer Harris and Isaiah Washington. Uh, Jelly's blowing up, too. Like it's. I keep forgetting like how big sometimes that his social media presence is and... It just, you know, when a game like this happens where apparently he was pretty electric, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's not, Minnesota hasn't had a, and I want to be careful about what I'm about to say. I'm going to use the word superstar. I do not mean future NBA Hall of Famer. I do not mean future first round NBA draft pick. I mean large presence. Um, a, A guy who draws attention in a way that is, um, very unique and individual. It's been a long time since we've had a player that does that. I know it will make some people uncomfortable. I don't really give a shit. Uh, I love it. I love that, that there's that element on the team, and I can only hope that he does what he does, uh, that little jelly, fantastic jelly, uh, against Wisconsin all over the place and leaves their fans freaking out like the time that that kid from Ole Miss like did the like shark land shark off the front of his forehead three celebration in the NCAA tournament and they all fainted. The whole state of Wisconsin fainted. That's my that's my goal. Isaiah Washington, make the entire state of Wisconsin faint. The other thing that's definitely going to happen by the time you listen to this podcast is that Jarvis Thomas, Daniel Tour, and Gabe Kalisher will have signed for the University of Minnesota. And I want to mention that both because this is going to be a top 25 class depending on who you're looking at, it's a top 20 class or hovering in the 20s. They still have one scholarship left over. It's unclear if they're going to use that scholarship, wait for the spring, use it then, or bank it for next class. I'm not all that interested in how they do that. But what I will say is those three are pretty fantastic. And if I look at how Isaiah Washington is currently playing, and I think, man, what would make that dude even better? 
Having a massive center who is perfect in the pick and roll, Daniel Oturo, probably would make that better. So this is not a reason to not be excited about this season. I think you should be very excited about this season. But if I look at how the program trajectory is working, and I compare it to our football program, one of the things that we've seen in the basketball program is at the end of the day, if you have really good players, they'll mask a lot of coaching deficiencies. And if you have a lot of really good players and your coach is improving, which is very much true of Richard Pitino, you can have a special team. I like it. Speaking of big guys, uh, Isaiah Washington made Bakari Kanante look pretty against Green Bay. Like, I believe, weren't all three of Kanante's dunks off of uh, little dishes from Isaiah? All four dunks, in fact, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, four dunks. When was the last time uh, Bakari dunked four times in the game? I doubt he's ever done four times. He had, he's had a couple of reasonably decent offensive outputs uh, over the last... But not dunking, though. He didn't get to, he didn't get to those offensive outputs by, by flushing it a bunch of times. No, not a lot. I mean, the same thing. What I think is really cool about watching Isaiah Washington, and you see this with Nate Mason, too, because like, don't forget, Isaiah Washington is backing up Nate Mason for a reason. Nate Mason's really good is that the Gopher point guards can make the players around them better. The reason why I highlighted the fact that Amir Coffey had five assists is equally important. I think on any given night, people in your starting five can all put up numbers. And what will be exciting to watch this year is that the rest of the starting five is very unselfish. If you want to watch good, fun basketball, this team potentially is going to give you that night in and night out, which is also a change from the Tubby Smith era, the last time they had a team with any kind of this expectations would have been the second to last year of Tubby's career here. And what was unfortunate about the way that Tubby liked to coach basketball is that he had the guys to run up and down and be incredibly fun. You saw that occasionally, for example, when they upset Indiana at the barn. But by and large, he preferred to play a more deliberate, slow pace. I think this season, Richard Pitino is going to take the reins off his team, especially with the chemistry they've developed, and let them get up and down the court and use that athleticism. And again, if the bench can provide you minutes, Devontae Fitzgerald's looked much better than I expected. Obviously, Isaiah Washington has been looking great. Jimmy Harris is looking great. Michael Hertz apparently looked fine at the four. We'll see how that works in the non-conference. You could potentially have a team that's going to be fun and quick to watch which is a blast for both the fan of the University of Minnesota, but also casual fans. And what's a great way to help recruiting? Getting a more national fan base. Basketball's not the only program that had themselves a decent uh, to better than decent weekend. I'm underselling it, to be honest with you. Um, when your goalie is a national three-star of the week, uh, that tends to, to suggest that mm, maybe you were doing okay. Hockey. Hockey swept Michigan State. So coming off of... Uh, a decent performance uh, against Clarkson, getting an important sweep of uh, uh, a team la- uh, the previous weekend. Uh, that gives us some nice pairwise matchups. Uh, Minnesota moved right into Big Ten play again and came out with a, a weekend sweep of Michigan State. Andy, what were what were the things that excited you most um, from this past weekend? Well, I think what's got to be the most exciting is is just the way Eric Shearhorn's played so far this year. Um, you know, early in the season last year, it was a bit shaky and was sort of the reason why Minnesota dropped a few of the games they did in the non-conference season. Meanwhile, this year, he's been just the opposite. He's been basically a brick wall um, for the last 
you know, six weeks or so. Um, his only game in his last eight where he's given up more than one goal was the 4 nothing loss to North Dakota, which you can't really blame him considering three of the four goals came on one five-minute major penalty that wasn't actually a five-minute major, and the refs just blew that call. So throw that game out, his last seven games, he's given up one goal or no goals, which is uh, pretty damn impressive. Um, he was named the Big Ten number one star of the week this week for the second week in a row. Again, you know, three one win Friday, four nothing win, shutout win on Saturday. His tenth career shutout as a as a gopher. Um now only three behind the all time program record shared by Kellen Briggs and, and uh Adam Wilcox. You know, we were worried that uh Shearhorn might burn out. Uh it seems, you know, with Matt Robson being coming eligible here in about a month. Uh, that it's just the opposite. We were thinking that Robson was going to come in and really push Shearhorn for some playing time. If Shearhorn's playing this well, he ain't giving up the net. So uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward here uh, if he can keep it up. Uh, Gophers got a big, another big Big Ten series head to the road for the first time in the conference play this year, uh, going to Michigan this weekend. And Michigan's not the same Michigan they've been. They graduated a lot of players, and Red Berenson finally retired. Uh, after last season, so they've got a new coach, Mel Pearson, who was a, a Michigan alum and was a Michigan assistant for a while, and most recently was Michigan Tech's head coach, and really sort of turned them back around and made them a WCHA power in the last few years. So um, Michigan's got some impressive recruiting classes coming in the next couple of years, so they're probably you know two, three years away from really fighting for the top of the Big Ten again. But uh, Gophers need to go in and at least get a sweep in Ann Arbor, and honestly or get a split, sorry, and a sweep would be definitely reasonable and definitely fortunate if they could pull it out. So, you, uh, Andy, I know you posted on the Twitter earlier this week uh, some Casey Middlestad, uh, a little bit of not, his own uh, physical version of chirping uh, that he did with the Michigan State bench where after one of his goals he kept his hand out to try to get some high fives from the Spartans. Uh do we have? Do, can we look forward to him becoming a, a row level chirper uh, for the Gophers for his limited time? Because I'm assuming he's not going to play all four years um, in Minnesota. Yeah, you know, he didn't necessarily have the reputation of that guy, but he's, he's maybe he's pulled it off a little bit, or I don't know, maybe the Michigan State bench was giving him a little crap beforehand, and he decided to take it back in their face. Um, it was nice to see him put the puck in the net on Saturday. He's been sort of snake bit the last few weeks where you can tell he's just trying to snipe that perfect shot in the top corner and he's either hit a couple of pipes or he's just been missing just been missing and then finally he got the one on Saturday so hopefully he can get back into putting the puck in the net his passing is just a thing of beauty um you know a couple of Rem Pitlick's got a couple of goals the last couple of weeks and they've been entirely set up by middle state just undressing the opponents so he's doing great things out there on the ice for the Gophers. I mean, he's the best freshman the Gophers have had out there in, in several years. And yeah, you, he's definitely not a four-year player. You, right now, you know, I think the best anybody could ask is to see to get two years out of him. Uh, but I think there's at least a 50-50 shot he's gone after this season. So enjoy him while he's here because it probably won't last very long, unfortunately. The Minnesota women have also made uh, some strides here in the early season. After kind of a rough start, uh, they've they've come come on a little bit stronger here in the last couple of weeks. Andy, where are they at, and how are how are you feeling about the the women uh, as the WCHA season continues? 
You know, I think the women this year, it's, it's fairly obvious that they're uh, not quite as, as good as they have been in the last few years. Uh, they came off, they swept Minnesota State down in Mankato the last week, uh, but got swept by Wisconsin the week before that at Ritter. It was actually the first time Wisconsin swept Minnesota uh, at Minnesota since 2010. So the Badgers, while they're missing a couple Olympians, are number one in the country and undefeated. They, uh, they have not had any trouble keeping pace right now, whereas Minnesota is... Uh, struggling to sort of find goals and they they got goals from nine different players but nobody's really scoring a lot of goals so you've got the you've got the width but not the depth uh, in their offense um they play a non-conference series out at mercyhurst this weekend so mercyhurst is terrible so you know hopefully minnesota doesn't drop one to them um they'll be in the middle of the pack they'll finish either second or third in the wcha uh it's going to come down to can they turn it on at the end of the year for tournament time and see um, meanwhile, the, uh, their alums are showing off the, the U S women's national team is playing in the four nations tournament down in Florida, uh, against Finland, Sweden, and Canada. It's sort of a, it's a yearly tournament they always have, but this year it's more of a pre-Olympic warmup too. And, uh, the U S beat Finland eight two Tuesday night and, uh, Kelly panic, who would be a senior on this gopher team scored a goal. Uh, as did alums Amanda Kessel and Danny Camarizzi. So the uh, the Gophers on the U.S. team are uh, definitely showing up down, uh, getting ready for the Olympics, and it should be impressive to watch them here as the Olympics come around in about February. Um, question time. We are back to question time. Question time, the bit that has no name because nobody has ever given us one. Question one. Is Lil Red the inflatable terror that Nebraska, for some reason, continues to put in public like it's okay to do that. Is Little Red the most terrifying mascot in the entire universe? And please know that if you answer anything but yes, it is the most terrible mascot and terrifying mascot, I will forever judge you harshly. Andy. I still don't understand why somebody hasn't popped him yet. I mean, seriously, how hard would it be? They're, they're, especially when you're playing a team that has natural grass and you're playing with, like, real cleats, just pop the SOB. I mean, seriously, do a, do the humanity a favor and get rid of that thing. But no, they just have to let him continue to terrorize children around the world. So, yes, he is hideous. Street? Yes, Though personally, I would say as a closer second than you would expect, Purdue Pete is also terrifying. I can I can confirm from my trip to Purdue this year, uh, and I do have a photo with the soulless wonder. Uh, Pete's eyes are just as terrifying in person as they are through any form of media. I, I can confirm this. Thankfully, I, I well, you know what? Maybe I didn't hold on to my soul. Maybe that's why I'm a water demon. Pete stole my soul. It all comes full circle. Question two. Iowa plays Wisconsin this weekend. Is it acceptable to cheer for Iowa in this instance? Street? It is acceptable to cheer for Wisconsin to lose. Okay. That's an important clarification. But that will require any sane, rational fan watching the game to, at some point or another, root for Iowa to do something good. Does anyone have any qualms about us rooting for Iowa to do something good? Yeah, you're not rooting for Iowa to do something good. You're rooting for Wisconsin to do something bad. I need to clarify and check my my decision-making in life through Alex more often, apparently. 
He's, he's got the right mindset. Andy, how are you going to be approaching the Iowa-Wisconsin game? Well, just like when North Dakota and Wisconsin played last week in hockey, I rooted really, really hard for the Meteor, and the Meteor once again failed me. So I think I'm going to give up on the Meteor this weekend, and it's it's lost my support. And yes, we're, we're rooting for wisconsin to do lots and lots of bad things and if it takes one good iowa thing to to punish wisconsin for lots and lots of bad things i'll i'll let it slide yeah i i would love to 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 create a world where wisconsin slowly creeps their way up the college football playoff rankings and is at like number five and clemson is having a rough game and all wisconsin needs to do is beat minnesota and win uh you know get to that big 10 title game and then Minnesota wins, and we dash their hopes. I would love that scenario. That would be the ultimate Wisconsin gets screwed out of the playoff scenario. Let's just face it. let's just face facts and all all agree that we don't we can't bet on that scenario. And Wisconsin not making the playoff is more important than that scenario taking place. So uh, go Wisconsin to do bad things, and Iowa to do things that it did against Ohio State. Fake punts, fake field goals for touchdowns. Sure, we can we can work with that. The question then is: is who do you think has the best chance to beat Wisconsin? Assuming it's not us, is it Iowa or is it Michigan next week? I think it's Rand Paul's neighbor. <laughs> well, he he apparently knows how to tackle really well, at least. <laughs> um. I don't know. I mean, I would have said Michigan in a heartbeat, and then Iowa went out and dropped 54 or 5 or whatever the hell they dropped on Ohio State. So, I don't – I mean, this game's in Wisconsin, though, right? Yeah, I believe both the next two weeks are in Madison. Eh, Both games in Madison, I'd probably give it to the fighting khakis. I mean, their defense is legitimately terrifying, and – they clearly have the talents on offense. Honestly, I think they're probably better off with their freshman quarterback. Brandon Peters didn't look terrible. Like when he looked terrible, it felt to me like his offensive line was giving him no help. Like Merrick Jackson's sack was awesome and everything, but uh, they just didn't block him. So <laughs> I don't know. But now we're starting to talk about Michigan again. So that's a fail on my part. We're moving on. To Nebraska, to the chair. Predictions. Question three. What do we see happening uh, in the game against Nebraska? You can go into detail or keep it to the score. It's up to you. Andy? I'm having a definite conundrum because I really, 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 really really want to think that Minnesota is going to get its shit together, especially after last week, especially after PJ was talking about how the team meeting on Sunday got uh, real really fast. But I just... If you watch this team play, how can you even, against a not-so-great Nebraska team, have the confidence to say they're going to put it all together and pull out a big win and actually do that? So, uh, I, what the hell, I've been pessimistic for most of the season, and obviously I've been right, so let's try and be wrong this time. Minnesota's going to win the chair by a 27-24 to final score. Alex? Minnesota 28-14. That score will be closer than the actual game will be. I should probably I should probably expand a little bit on that cuz it seems a bit insane. So, here's the <laughs> here, here's the expansion. 
there are very few teams on the schedule that present a better matchup for both Minnesota's offense and Minnesota's defense than Nebraska. You have a team that, by and large, is generally dejected, morale is low, their coach is a dead man walking. Their offense is predicated around a quarterback who is really good at throwing to the other football team. Minnesota's specialty is takeaways. I think it is also the case that Nebraska's offensive line, unlike Michigan's offensive line, will not just be able to part the waters in the same way. And I also expect that Minnesota's tackling and general run fits are going to look a lot better. This means that Tanner Lee at some point will have to throw the ball. I think it is totally plausible that Minnesota's defense scores more points than Minnesota's offense in this game. However, just in case, Nebraska's defense is also not Michigan's defense. And while they're better than Illinois, they're not dramatically better than any other team that they've faced that Minnesota has faced on the season so far. I think that this game also will be week three of the Demry Croft experiment. And one of the things that I think you saw over the last couple of games is it's clear that Kirk Scirocco is putting in more of the offense and dumb shit like the Wildcat, but more of the offense. That means that Nebraska may just once again turn into the game much like Lime Grover's Miracle, where all of a sudden the University of Minnesota looks like a wildly competent offensive football team. So that is why I think it's going to be Minnesota 28, Nebraska 14. That is a, a wonderful prediction that I hope comes so majorly true. My head says uh, probably don't count on it. My heart, though, deep down in my heart, I see glorious, glorious things and happiness all around. So I'm just going to throw out there Minnesota 24, Nebraska 10. That's what I'm going to say. 24-10. I'm not going to try to explain it because at this point I can't, I can't, I don't know. I'm at a loss. It's, it's, everyone knows I've been staying optimistic, obviously, and, and reserving judgment. But this has still been a frustrating season. So rather than try to come up with reasoning and logic for this prediction, it's going to be 24-10. We're going to be happy. Good things are coming. And with that, you've made it through another edition of the Sky U Podcast. Thank you again for listening. Uh, go Gophers, Sky Yuma, row the boat.